How we doing, gents? Uh, okay. Don't be so enthusiastic, Andy. I am bored. Well, this episode's not going to help you then. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen to the Prophets. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am, as ever, joined by my buddies, Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. Sir Andrew Leyland. Hello, good sir. And Mr. David Pascarella. Esquire. Gotta give everybody some sort of title. So... We are here once again going through uh, Season 7 of Deep Space Nine. And today we are covering the episode Prodigal Daughter, or as I like to call it, The Return of Bilby. So, <laughs> but before we get to the episode, Bilby, does anybody have any Star back. Trek news they'd like to talk about? I don't think we got anything, have we? It's quite... everything's been delayed. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering... You know, I was already wondering what the release dates on a lot of these streaming shows, Star Trek and the Disney Plus shows, were going to be. But now that like production is halted on things, uh, I don't know. I don't know when we when we can expect things. Wait a minute, I'm I'm looking. How many seasons has? Let's see, Star Trek Discovery. Because I heard something that Star Trek Discovery had been renewed up to five seasons. Really? Yeah, all right. I don't know. I, that can't be. How many has this been? Which I find that hard to believe because uh, we haven't even got the <clears throat> third season out yet. Well, the third season wrapped filming on the twenty fourth of February. Mm. So it it all depends on how much post production they got done prior to all of this happening. I'm thinking a lot of post production might be able to be done remotely because I'm thinking you know a lot of that's just computer work. It depends about scoring it, though, doesn't it? That's true. That's a good point, unless they work with, uh, you know, already existing scores. Mm. Yeah. Just try to try to fit that in. What the heck there. is the GWW dot women? The GWW.com exclusive Star Trek Discovery, dude, for season five. Wow. Uh, this is I. Yeah, yeah. I wonder where I wonder where they're gonna go because I don't really I don't know. But does it, you know, time will tell. Uh, and we well, I know they renewed Picard for season two, but did they actually film anything? No, filming hasn't started on season two of Picard. So that's going to be delayed for quite a while, I anticipate. Especially uh, Sir Patrick Stewart is, you know, he's up there in years. So the last thing they're going to do want to do is expose him. Hey, he's on Facebook every day reading a sonnet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, he is every and, single day. And I see that it's on there every day, and I don't watch it every day. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Well, I'd rather listen to him than my governor, who's on every single day as well. Well, I find 
you know, and this is, I guess this is our COVID minute. Uh, I have a, you know, I have subscriptions to two newspapers that I get delivered daily. And I find that I would much rather page through the newspaper and just kind of peruse the articles. And when something catches my eye, you know, read through that. I would much rather do that than sit and listen to the same news day after day after day. It's depressing. Uh, it's just not giving me anything new to go on, really. You know, I don't feel any less informed than everybody else, even though I'm not paying attention to, to those news broadcasts. Well, you know, we used to watch the news at dinner time, 6 o'clock. Now I watch Adam 12 at 6 o'clock. Because yeah. I've had enough of the news. And it's the same thing over and over and over. So, I mean, how much of it can you take? I've been watching reruns of the Time Tunnel. been loving them. I've, been ma- I've made my way through. Uh, I'm almost done with the entire series of Ray Donovan. So I'm getting to see, you know, Sabretooth in action. Right. I've found some tweets. Anthony Rapp and what was his, what's the other guy's name? Who plays his boyfriend? Wilson Cruz, that's the guy, have both posted that filming was finished, visual effects and editing are coming along, but it's all been done at home. Yeah, but it's all been done from home, so it's going to be much slower. But you can argue a case that it hasn't been delayed because they never actually announced an air date to begin with. That's true. If If you don't go out on a limb and give a date, then you can't be late. Yeah, so when it will be released now, obviously... It will be delayed, is what they're saying, but they never actually announced when they were releasing it anyway, so technically it's not a delay, which I suppose is, a, you know, well, my valid, free, I suppose. My free uh, subscription to CBS uh, All Access is quickly coming to a conclusion, so I will not be seeing Discovery Season 3 that way. Well, to tie it back into Star Trek, I just finished reading The Battle of Beta Z. From uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, which ties into pretty much where we were not too long ago. It was all right. It was a good story up until the ending. So it's a good story until time. it wasn't. It's a good story until yeah. Beta Z fell to the Dominion. Is that what you're saying? No, this is more on the uh, liberation. All right. It was all right, but the ending didn't do it for me. Why? How did they mess up the ending? Or I guess... We- we don't want to spoil the book. You can yeah, tell I me don't want it. to spoil it. It was a little far-fetched. You don't want to spoil something I'm never going to read. Right. Yeah. But somebody in the audience might. But they might. It was, like I said, it was decent. It had uh, Worf and Chief O'Brien came in since it was a Next Generation book. They had minor roles, but uh, the story was all right till the end, and then it just fell apart. What, were they looking for uh, dilithium? Yes. No. <laughs> you said they had minor roles. Sorry. What, what ruined it was if they had only spoken Hovita, they would have been all right. <laughs> uh, I finished watching Preacher. Oh, good. <laughs> it was all right. I had read the book, books, so uh, you know the comics. So I don't know. I thought it. it, it I liked where it ended up. Guess nobody else has seen Preacher, or nobody cares to speak of it. Andy, so. you were watching Preacher, weren't you? I watched half of one episode and gave up. All right, oh. so that's, that, that makes you the aficionado as far as this group is concerned. <laughs> I've spoken to Glenn Fabry about it, and uh, based on our conversation, I was right to not watch it. Mm. It did it did have Howard Stark, though. Yeah, yeah, it did. All right, so we might as well get to the uh, return of Bilby. 
This is Season 7, Episode 11, and the actual title is... Sorry, I fell asleep even listening to you do that. I don't you can apologize. at least wait until I get to the recap. <laughs> oh, please God, no. Anyway, uh, the actual title is Prodigal Daughter. When Esri unravels a web of murder and deceit... Any one of them could know, or all of them. Will all roads lead back home? I didn't kill her. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Directed by Victor Lobel. Written by Bradley Thompson and David Weddle. Uh, and with guest stars Clayton Landy as Fuchida. John Paragon as Bokar. Kevin Rahm as Norvo. Michael Salazar as Janelle. And Lee Taylor Young as Yanis. You know where she's from, don't you? I know her name, but I can't place it. She was the she was the furniture. Oh, in, in Soylent uh, Green. Yes, yes. She was the. That's what they were called. She was the woman that came with the apartment in Soylent Green. That's why I was going because you know back so then. She, so she went from being <laughs> furniture to eventually being food. <laughs> Well, yeah, or, or as in this uh, episode, a piece of wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the plot of the story goes like this. Wait, 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 wait. Do oh, I have free reign to be Billis Interruptus during this, or should I just let you get through I it? I will grant you Billis Interruptus uh, carte blanche. Oh, okay. I will see what I can come up with. Okay. Julian Bashir reveals to Benjamin Sisko a confidence from O'Brien that he went to New Sydney, the seventh planet of the Sapporo system. You know, Sapporo, I think, is a beer in Japan. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. Just feel free to look for Morika, the widow of an Orion syndicate member named Liam Bilby. Could you hold on? Let's do this right. Uh, Andy, you just pick up where I leave leave off. An Orion syndicate member named Liam. Whom he befriended while undercover. O'Brien felt some responsibility for Bilby's death while he was undercover in the syndicate. Because Esri Dax's family, the Tigons, own a mining operation near Sydney where they live, Sisko asks her to help find O'Brien. Returning home, Esri is reunited with her domineering mother, Yanis Tigan. Reunited and it feels so good. A shrewd businesswoman. And her brothers, Norvo and Janelle, who work for the business. <laughs> Norvo and Janelle. Is that some, like, uh, you know, sleep aid? I'm going to take some Norvo tonight, and maybe a little Janelle on his side. Yanis promises to look into the matter of O'Brien's disappearance while criticizing Esri's life choices. Esri's brother, Norvo, is happy to see her, while her eldest brother, Janelle, is bitter at the fact that he has a girl's <laughs> name. Oh, no, wait a minute. He's bitter about her tendency to stay away from home. Janelle mostly manages the technical aspects of the mine, while mine, Norvo mine, does mine. the bookkeeping. Norvo has interest in painting, poetry, and music, but is extremely uh, self-critical of his work. And not gay. Ezri's okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that one. It was just too easy. I know. I'm a horrible person. What else Ezri, is there? Ezri's visit allows her to catch up with Norvo, who's ruled by her, his mother's iron hand. Esri's heated criticism of Yanis's tyrannical treatment of Norvo is cut short by the arrival of O'Brien in handcuffs. Who's oh been boy, rescued, things are getting fun now. Who's been rescued after being <laughs> abused off-screen for a Torture O'Brien episode. Ow. Uh, Ow. After he had a run-in with the O'Brien Orion Syndicate, 
and released to Dax's custody. Miles announces that he found Monica... Bilbit! Her body dead at the <laughs> bottom of a river. And it's Morica. Monica was on Friends. Oh, it's Morica, yes. I prefer Monica. O'Brien contends that Morica was killed by the syndicate, a theory dismissed by the police lieutenant who insists mm-hmm. that criminals would never murder the widow of one of their, one of their own. Later, a self-described commodities broker named Bokar sees O'Brien in the mines. Wait, wait, wait. I just need to interject. Did you know the guy that played Bokar was the guy that played the genie on Pee-wee's Playhouse? Go ahead. I did not know that. Yeah. Jambi the genie? Yes, you are correct. You Uh, may proceed. He warns Janelle that O'Brien's life will be in danger if he doesn't leave immediately. O'Brien helps Janelle fix some mining equipment which has had inexplicable malfunctions lately. O'Brien thinks that the Orion Syndicate is intimidating the Tegans and tells Dax, tells Dax so. Sensing Bokar may be a member of the Syndicate, O'Brien acquires Esri's permission to check the mining company's financial records. He's stunned the fact that he's not only an engineer, but also a CPA, apparently. <laughs> he's, stunned to learn, he's stunned to learn that Morika... 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 Belbe was on Tegan's payroll at wait, the time wait, wait, of wait, death. Wait. Andy, so mm-hmm. are these people descended from Tegan Javanka? I was thinking they were more descended from Bilbe from that amazing Spider-Man annual. I, mm. I always go to Bilbo Baggins personally. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. Okay, uh, a fact which links the syndicate to Esri's family, and O'Brien informs a disbelieving Esri that <gasps> someone close to her may be involved in Morika's murder. Esri orders O'Brien to withhold his findings from the police until she speaks with her family. No conflict of interest there. Esri confronts her family, and Yanis suspects that it was Janelle who killed Marika in the kitchen with the pipe. Confronted with the truth, Janelle admits that Morika was on the payroll as a favor to Bokar and the syndicate, which bailed the mining company out of a financial crisis, but denies killing Morika. Angered that her son struck such a corrupt deal behind her back, Yanis doubts his innocence. To everyone's surprise, Norvo confesses. Saying, Wait, he had to wake up first. <laughs> saying he, and we had to wake up to listen to him. Say, saying he took action after Morika tried to extort more money from the family and hid the woman's body in the river. He tries in to a justify van down by the river by Neil Neil Young. He tries well, to justify more of, his uh, action. Chris Farley. I had a body in a van. Down by the river! I was thinking, down by the river. He tries to justify his actions by saying that he was he never he was never trusted to make big decisions. As a result, Norvo is sentenced to thirty years in prison, while Yanis is left wondering what role she played in his downfall. She did it all. Stupid domineering piece of furniture. Anyway, I didn't like this episode if you haven't figured that out. Did you know? Because it sounded to me like you loved it. <laughs> I thought, first of all, we didn't need a slice of Esri's life. She joined that's the cast the, too late. That's the last thing we needed was she, a slice of life. She joined the cast too late to become the focus like this. We, we needed her to, to be a supporting role and to, to see you know, way, what she could do for us in that capacity. But we can't start having Esri de- dedicated episodes. We really can't. There's not enough left to, to waste on this. The yeah, Billerby story was concluded already. There was no reason to really worry about his, his widow and where that was going. It's just, I really felt, I had no memory of this. 
uh, having seen it already, but I saw it once and I never saw it again, and I totally, totally forgot it. And I now I know why I forgot it because it had nothing going for it as far as I was concerned. Yeah, from the teaser, you think you're going to get another. Oh, it's going to be a good torture O'Brien episode, and a nice little murder mystery as well. Where's he gone? What's he doing? What's he up to? What's this top secret mission he's on that Cisco knows nothing about? And then it's 22 minutes into it. It's 50% of the way done before O'Brien shows up again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, this was an O'Brien episode, wasn't it? And they the, tortured him entire, off screen. Yeah. His entire investigation takes place off screen. The, the entire MacGuffin for getting this story rolling, they don't focus on at all. And Esri's mum's a, a domineering pain in the ass. And her elder brother twirls his moustache throughout the entire show to the point where you think well he can't be the bad guy because it's much too obvious his line delivery is incredibly stilted her younger brother's just a massive drip that <laughs> i didn't and i'm genuinely watching this going i don't give a shit about any of these people why are we doing this half a season from the end of the show exactly so i looked it up on memory alpha and apparently it should have been a completely different story that fell through, that they couldn't get to make work. They were two weeks away from production on the episode. The two writers who were credited and Ron Moore basically just sat down, each wrote an act, and they banged it out. And by their own admission, they had, they had no time to go and refine it or do anything to it. So they basically just had to throw it out there and say, tough. To be fair to every single one of them, they all say the episode's shit. What did the actors say? I didn't see that. Uh, the actors didn't really say much at all, but the director on Memory Alpha says it was crap as well. He said that he was he had nothing. He was given nothing to work with. He tried his best. Um, Esri says that the writers came and apologised to her. <laughs> but to be honest with you, if there's anyone who comes out of this episode with, who can hold their head held high at the end of this one, it is Cole Meany and 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 I've forgotten Esri's name, Nicole De Burr. She is at least endearing and entertaining throughout most of it, even though the actual show is god awful. It just had it had no purpose. Is really what no, it came down no. to. And and it and it wasn't even okay, you know, it doesn't really fit in the in the you know, in, in the flow of what's going on, but it was an interesting story. No, it wasn't even interesting. I didn't care. The only thing no. this episode had going for it, as far as I was concerned, was the fact that I got to say Bilby a few times. Yeah, it's it's and Kevin Ram, who is really good in Lethal Weapon. He was the um, the commander of the TV show, not the films. Boring as dirt in this one, and all of them. Are, I'm sure they're not bad actors, but they're utter shit in this. The elder brother, particularly, God, his line deliveries are stilted. He may as well be holding a sign going, I'm the bad one. It's awful. It's absolutely dreadful. Look, uh, even the title. All right, so the parable of the prodigal son is what? The uh, the oldest son leaves, takes his inheritance, whatever, and comes home with no money, right? Mm-hmm. And he's still welcomed in, in, in into the family. Isn't Esri, is Esri the oldest? No. I, I got that Esri was the second oldest She's the so middle it was child. her brother. Yeah, she's but, the middle but child. She's the one that comes home, back home in this. So is she supposed to be the prodigal son? Or she's supposed is to be, yes, but she but she didn't do anything wrong. To, yeah, it's no, not like she it's, didn't come. The she, prodigal she son the, kind of 
dispatched his family. He he showed disinterest in his family. He, he abandoned the them, but was it. still welcomed back. That's the whole moral of the story: is that his parents, his family's love for him, exceeded the bad act that he did by leaving. She didn't have a choice. No, Cisco basically ordered her home to no, go she, in. When and she, I'm talking about when she left. It is she didn't oh, leave. Right. She didn't say, "Oh my God, my family sucks. I'm leaving." She she was forced to bond with the with the symbiote. No, be, no, because she did leave and go join Starfleet. She'd already left. Oh, and done she that. left the family business. Okay, right. So yeah, that's so. what it is. But it wasn't out of out of like greed or or no, you know. It was, it was that her family sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyway. Yeah. Oh, she, cle- she clearly didn't want to spend her life mining, which... They call enough, it a mine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> did, you, did you notice that what they were mining was pergium from... Pergium, sorry, from Devil in the Dark? Oh, no, I didn't uh, notice that. Oh. That's that's a slight savings grace for it, but not not enough. <laughs> <laughs> not enough to make you want to waste forty five minutes if you like. Not, not enough to make me go back to see it again to to see that. <laughs> Listen, this episode couldn't be saved with Ugnot singing "Hi Ho Hi Ho." It's off to work to go. <laughs> no, it, it's the only redeeming feature of this episode is the teaser, which is well played largely because of the chemistry between the main cast and the, the the premise that you're going to get an interesting episode out of it. The teaser leads you to believe you're going to get a different episode from what you get, which is another torture O'Brien murder mystery episode, and we don't get that. Other than being able to point out that the part was wrong, O'Brien doesn't do anything in this episode. He's quite the uh, accountant, though. Well, he is, yeah. I mean, that, that's, it also seems to me like if you're going to have something, you know... A payment that's being made regularly that shouldn't be, that's not earned, and that, you know, is going to raise suspicion, even if Mrs. Bilby was still alive, you do a little bit better job of hiding it in your books. Yeah, it, it seems like it was remarkably easy to follow that trail of latinum. Yeah, <laughs> that O'Brien was able to do it. <laughs> unless he was paying it out of his salary. But if he was doing that, then surely it's not going through the books. Yeah, it's that's the thing is if if it was easy enough for O'Brien to find it, it wasn't seriously hidden because I don't know if you guys know this, but he is not a CPA. No, he is not. <laughs> it's, well, this it's, is a non-federation world, so I don't they really think they care about cleaning up the books anyway. There's no laws where they are. Well, I guess not. Um, very, very little. The Orion Syndicate. I'm sorry, sexism alert. I much prefer them when they're led by sexy green women. I just do. Sorry. I prefer prefer every business on the face of the earth to be started by sexy green women. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's an episode of um, Enterprise, obviously, made after this, where we learn that the sexy green women are the brains of the operation. So that would have been much more interesting than the the Orion Syndicate that we got. I was just picturing, like, say, if your mechanic was an Orion woman... They're like, well, Mr. Robinson, you're going to have to get a new transmission. Okay. <laughs> How much? <laughs> because there's not enough blood in the male body to run both <laughs> things at the same time. That's like George Costanza when uh, the episode where he, he, he is not able to have sex, so all of a sudden he starts to become smarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you're going to need a new roof, sir. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. But I just got one last year. Oh, no, no. No, no. Do you know, uh, Esri's mom reminded me of that guy from uh, 
the next generation where they thaw him out and he's from like the 20th he's a businessman right Robert Offhouse or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah peace him out Richmond that was a horrible episode <laughs> I, I quite like that episode I, I like it better than this <laughs> yeah liking yeah. it better than this is not is damning it with faint praise there is that yeah what you this had? Was... Uh, you had Gar- what? You had Garth Brooks. Um, yeah. Uh, a homemaker. She must be in construction. <laughs> homemaker and a sleazy businessman. Yeah, and then and, and Thingy. I actually like that. <laughs> I do. I, I think that's quite a fun. Maybe show. we should rate that one instead. You don't have money? What the hell kind of place is this? The other, I did like Cisco in this episode. I did like the bollocking that he gives Bashir. And I did like that um, when O'Brien's going home, he says, this is Commander Cisco's got a boot with my name on it. That That's a good line. Funny. That yeah. was a good line. I liked that, too. So I would imagine... I would rather have watched the bollocking that Cisco gives Bashir and O'Brien after this episode than this episode itself. We've talked, you know, in the past, and it's been a while since it's come up, but we've talked about how there's no ramifications to failing to follow protocol and it's nice that at least we had the implication that there was going to be here yeah nah 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 you know what he's got plenty of leave time he whatever he does on his leave time is his business so screw yeah, it and if, if he booked it as leave that'd be fine but he didn't why what did he book it as i'm out he yeah he just he just pissed off didn't he no he can't do that he had to have put it for leave he can't just disappear he's the head of on the stage yeah yeah, and we've all no and, we've, and we've seen before that when O'Brien isn't there, the station falls to bits. Still, if you didn't get back to the ship, how quick before they would have sent someone looking for you? Well, they wouldn't send somebody looking. They would just write me down as AWOL, and you know maybe you know they would eventually start this you know contact police and things like that. Because I got pulled over for a speeding ticket once, and I was freaking out because I had to be back to the ship and. I uh, jumped out of the because the, the, I borrowed a friend's car to drive home. So I'm getting pulled over and the car doesn't belong to me. So I freak out and I jump out. The cops put their hands on their guns and told me, <laughs> "Don't move! Put your hands on the vehicle." I'm like, "Oh shit! What have I done?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I was like, I'm just trying to get back home. This is my friend's car. I shouldn't have got out of the car <laughs> because I didn't want to be a wall." And go have to be in jail and have to get out of jail, you know, have to prove. I have to look. Do you have like a card with a little, mis- uh, what's his name, Uncle Money Bags on it that you show them and you can leave? <laughs> no, 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 no. But I did have my friend's phone number for his. So this is before the days of cell phones, too. So, you know, I would have to, you know, I was like, look, this is my friend's uh, apartment number. You know, you could call him. This is not my car. I didn't steal it. I just borrowed it. So, but. They gave me a speeding ticket and let me go. So don't ever jump out of your car and approach the approach the police, kids. Duh. <laughs> Stupid move. Lessons for life. Yeah. From Doctor No, I, I, you know, on the rare occasions where I've been pulled over at all, I, uh, I sit motionless with both hands on the steering wheel at ten and two until the officer approaches me. Roll your window down too. Yes. But yeah. you don't, you don't, you know, you don't make any sudden movements in the car, <laughs> and you let them. When they walk up, you let them see exactly where your hands are. Mm-hmm. How and, not? 
how not to get your ass beat by the police. And it, and it, and and if you have to reach somewhere that's out of sight for something, I'm reaching over here for the for, for this officer. You know. Yeah. But uh, anything else? <laughs> just just uh, to, to finish the thought, as as uh, somebody who's uh, you know has has many good friends in in the uh, crime enforcement. Uh, or law enforcement, rather, not crime enforcement. <laughs> crime enforcement. What do you but, think? But as, when, when, the, when the officer approach, approaches you, just just words of advice, words to live by here. Treat them with as much respect as you can, without seeming cloying, and they will treat you much nicer. But if you start having an attitude about the fact that they pulled you over, they're not going to treat you as nice. Just words to live by, ladies and gentlemen, from somebody who who knows a lot of police officers. I've only ever been pulled over in America. I'd pull your ass over right away. It's a this guy. There's no way this guy makes enough money to drive that piece of shit car. They're like, <laughs> buddy, you're driving on the wrong side of the road. What's wrong with you? No, no, it wasn't that. I was speeding. Where were you speeding? In Florida. I don't remember you getting pulled over. What, no, the time before me? that one. Yeah, I, I drove the way that you drove, and look what happened. Well, that's, that's because I know that's when never you a good drive idea. like that. You have no when to hold them. No, I don't when to know fold. what you're saying. Is there something wrong with my driving, Andy? You made it back home. <laughs> we actually quite liked your driving. Let's just say it was aggressive. <laughs> Did you get a ticket? No, no, he let me off. Oh, good. I bet you treated I, him with I respect. Was- I did. I was perfectly pleasant to him. He pulled over. He said, do you know what speed you're doing, sir? And I said, I don't know because it's an automatic and I don't actually have a clue what it's doing. And he went, license and registration. And I gave him my information and the car rental information. And he disappeared off to his little car. And he came back a couple of minutes later and he said, all right, I'll let you off with a warning this time. It's an automatic. So keep your eye on the speed limit, sir. Have a lovely vacation. Goodbye. He was a really nice guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Seinfeld again, but there was the episode where uh, he was dating this woman who somehow, like, people just listened to her all the time. So he, know, he knew if he got pulled over for speeding, she'd talk the officer out of giving him a ticket. So he gets pulled over, and the cop says something, you know, something effective. Speed limit is 60. Do you know how fast you were going? And he just goes, it was a heck of a lot faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, prodigal daughter. Uh, one. You know what? I want to give it a one. Just so do it, then. Go on. But I, but I, I gave Move Along Home a one. <laughs> this this is better than that only because it's got the word Bilby in it. It is <laughs> so I'm, not. I'm giving it a one and a half. Move Along Home. I'm giving you it a one and a half. No, it's not. <laughs> it's my it's my rating. I choose to give it a one and a half. <laughs> it's not better than Move Along Home. You know what? I have to say, in all fairness. This is as bad as Move Along Home. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I can't put up the front anymore. I'm giving it a one also. You, you've convinced me. I'll look for the rabbit in the city. I mean, for Rocky in the city. One. This, this, is, this is the lowest. I'm just looking at my ratings here. Uh, have I given anything a one since Move Along Home? A couple of one and a halves. I gave, we gave Fascination a one. All three of us gave that. Actually, Blaine was on with us. He gave it a half. <laughs> um, that's the only one. It looks like that that's rated that low. So this is the lowest episode in quite some time. 1.0. I'm in the books. Andy, you're also a one. Yep. Very definitely. 
I will give it. Uh, I will give it a one because I will give it a one spinning dryers in the background or spinning washers in the background behind me because that is more exciting than this episode. And I would not want point seven five of a spinning washer or half a spinning washer because then I couldn't wash my clothes. So I'm forced to give this one spinning washer. So you're saying uh, it has some functionality? It has. Well, uh, yeah, it wasted uh, 42 odd minutes of my life, so I guess it had functionality. Okay. Dave? I give it a one. So a universal on the one. I can't even joke about it. So we all thought it was a one. What do you think Blaine would say? He's going to say it's awesome. But he's going to say it in. Do you think uh, he's going to think it's as bad as we did, or do you think he's going to have something positive to say? And I have not read his email yet. I, I, I have not either. What does he say? 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 Have I done? Yeah, I think you've done that already, but that's okay. It's, it's okay. A big it's, a, it's all right. It might be a one. It really sucks. What did he say? <laughs> that's okay. What did he that's say? <laughs> Blaine says, hi, guys. Here's another in a string of episode that draws upon the past. The first half of this season has been a little heavy on Esri stories, but it's necessary to establish her relationship dynamics with the rest of the crew before they ramp up for the big finale near the end of the season. I'm going to stop right there and say I disagree. Uh, I don't think you need to focus on her. And, I, and that's totally saying that I think Nicole DeBoer is a uh, very, very compelling actress, and I like her. But I don't think a character that you add in to an ensemble this late in the season should be dominating the season in any this pairs her with O'Brien with a story that helps show that his life-altering experiences undercover actually are life-altering as for the story itself well it's nice that the Orion Syndicate hasn't been forgotten it's a little implausible that the Tegan family just happens to be tied to it yeah that's another aspect we didn't hit on the whole coincidental fact that Esri's family is tied into this thing but I can live with it if it's only the only major Tegan family coincidence. Also, I like that we don't see Nog or Worf in this or the next episode or two. In continuity, Nog is still living on the holodeck since he was there for two months. Worf at this point was in Star Trek Insurrection, a.k.a. Star Trek Date Movie. This is per- a perfectly serviceable episode, but not a real standout either way. It works because of Kevin Rahm's performance as Norvo, particularly during the confession, and because of Lee Taylor Young's performance as Yanis. So Blaine does disagree with us to some extent. I mean, he, he found it to be, at least the way I'm reading that, he found it to be an acceptable episode where we found it to be a, a serious drag. Well, I mean, I guess the, yes, the acting is good, I guess, but I just don't care. I mean, I didn't think the acting was that good. Frankly, I didn't I think disagree. acting was that good. I thought Esri's family were just interminably boring. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think they really brought any emotions to the part that you know. Other than the only emotion I kind of got from them was pettiness. Yeah. Well, bitchiness and boredom. <laughs> yeah, but but you're not supposed to convey boredom in your acting. I'm sorry. The episode did that well enough on its own. Mm-hmm. They seem more like stereotypes than real characters. Yes, they did. And that's that's a lack of bringing something to the table as far as I'm concerned. But you know what? Everybody has their own opinion. It didn't bother Blaine as much as it bothered us. That's fine. So uh, our only piece of email is directly related to... Uh, episode 14, which is still three episodes away. So that's from Tissom Tissom. Something to look forward to in three episodes, listeners, but we're not going to read that now. Uh, 
so anything else before we close this one out? Um, do you think you can skip this one? If oh, you're yeah. a, a, as a viewer, yeah. absolutely, you could skip this one. Uh, this 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 has no ramifications for the rest of the season, and that's one of the problems with it. If it was more tied into what was going to occur, if it was a you know a, some sort of warning of something, you know something somehow tied together that it that it made that it made a difference somehow. Well, let's see. Uh, I could well, forgive the performances and all, or, or even the know, scope of the episode, but not—it's nothing. It's—it's—it's it's, it's totally forgettable. You know, maybe in a future episode we would need to get a source of perigeum, and <laughs> you know, oh well, we can go to my to my family's mine and we can get it. You know, because that's the only source right now because we've been because the uh, Dominion has cut off all the other sources and we got to have this to make blah 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 blah. So. And now we've already Gotta been have that blah, 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 blah. That's right. We need we need the blah 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 for the Smith to Macca. So there you go. Is what's his name? Is uh, the hoarders not still on that mining for Pergia? Well, maybe they got hoarders on there. Right. You know, hoarders are passing each other like the wolf and the dog, and uh, you know, we're like meeting at the t- at the clock in and the wood. morning, Sam. Morning, well, like the wolf in the fold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. The wolf in the fold. What you mean? Uh, the one with the guy that was Winnie the Pooh that was <laughs> I, love the the, I love that Winnie the Pooh no Piglet was Jack LaRipa Piglet, Piglet yeah that's my favourite piece of casting any, of anything ever don't die 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 <laughs> <laughs> alrighty so, then so that's it what are we doing next time <laughs> next time on an all new episode of Listen to the Prophets perhaps we'll stay awake long enough to journey once more to the mirror universe as we don the Emperor's new cloak. The Ferengi leader is held hostage. Randmaker Zek has disappeared. He'll never guess where I am. And Quark and Rom are his only hope. This is an alternate universe. Shouldn't everything be different? But in oh. this reality, it's hard to know who your friends oh. are. You're supposed to be the good guys. And paying the ransom... I want that calling device! ...could cost them everything. Uh-oh. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine... Is so everybody in the mirror universe a lesbian? Hopefully. <laughs> kind of tough to keep the species going that way. Um, yeah, but it's only the mirror universe, so what do we care? That's true. See you all then. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the 2TrueFreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Yeah. <sighs>